And as you are there, please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. If you are physically able by it, please remain seated. I will read from chapter 4 until the end of 8. Yes, sir. Chapter 1, verse 4. When you're there, somebody say, I am there. I'm there, brother. Amen. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Every, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You may now be seated. This morning, as I continue to go over this scripture that we went over last week, but I need to go over it with you once again, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to describe to you why Christ is worthy of our worship. Why we should worship Christ and why you need to always worship Christ and what he has done, his work, and who he is. So we're going to go over those reasons why we worship. Now, before I do that, it's because the Lord himself gives revelation to John and to write down this letter these letters to the churches because he has a problem with their worship. God has a problem with the way church worships. And so he gives these letters to the churches and we're going to go over these letters in the weeks to come and what they mean and in description of how these churches worship and how it's an absolute abomination to God. So before we do that, I want to tell you that Christ is worthy of your worship. Yes. You need to worship. And why do you need to worship? You need to understand why you need to worship and what it means when he says, those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. Yes. To understand who God is and the truth behind it. And why we need to worship. So we're going to talk about shaping our worship today. Amen. How many of you love to exercise? Amen. How many of you, you need to exercise? Amen. How many of you know you need to run a little bit? Amen. And you want to work a little bit on yourself. Amen. And you want to get better because you want to shape yourself, right? Amen. And sometimes we fail with that very thing. But for us, we need to shape our worship. It's called shaping our worship, real, true worship. Now, 
I'm going to talk about my sister here this morning. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way you led today, Amanda. Bless you today. And she says it's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely it's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's amazing. She did a wonderful job with worship. But before Amanda feels that she needs to do that, she already has the heart to walk in here to worship God, even if I can't belt out the notes. Even if you can't belt out the song, you don't need someone to prod you into worship. You should be able to walk through these doors ready to worship. But the problem with worship in churches is we have to make sure we have the right song selection. We have to make sure that everyone looks a certain way because it's how we have to present it to you because if we affect you, you won't worship. So it's like if you walk through the doors and you feel like, you know, I'm coming to church today and I don't feel like worshiping today. I, then, it, you know, it doesn't center around you. Then your worship centers around you. Well, I don't feel like worshiping today. I'm going through some stuff and I don't want to worship today. I'm going to go to church and sit there because I don't want to worship today. And the reason why you don't want to worship and you have that attitude is because your worship is self-centeredness. Because if you know who God is, I don't care how bad of a day or how bad of a week you've had, you're going to come to the house of God and you're going to sing and you are going to worship. He's worthy of our worship. And so right away we see when someone responds like that, they have a wrong theology about who God is. Right away, they, they thinking something else about themselves rather than understanding who he is. And sometimes we walk into church and, if, and, and, and we walk in and, and different churches and, oh, I don't like that song this week. And I don't like the way they're singing off key this week. And I don't like, oh, one of them has an attitude this week. I don't think I want to worship now because, oh, I know what they were doing on the weekend. I don't think I want to mess around with all that stuff. Then you have a problem with your theology. Then you have a problem with your worship because it's self-centered worship. But if you know who Christ is, you're going to raise your hands because he is worthy. Now, now people get the depiction of Christ Jesus as some Jesus of the Bible that is just like a pitiful type of Jesus. I can remember I was sending an email to somebody and my son had sent me this thing about different types of Jesuses in the church. There's different types of a Jesus that they worship in the church. But a lot of people want to get the Jesus that's crying, that's calling out to you, that's weeping, and he's long hair, and he's crying all the day long for you. And you want to worship that type of Jesus because you feel that, you know what, it's all about me. It's when I'm ready to come to you because I know you're always going to have your hand out for me, and you'll never let me go. But the problem with that worship, it's all self-centered worship. But when we read here today about the Jesus of the Bible that is that shows up before John and says, I have a letter to these seven churches. This is the Jesus you will see. This is the Jesus that will come back and destroy those who are blaspheming his name throughout the earth. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the Jesus of Revelation. And he absolutely will come back as that lion. You know you won't mess with a lion. You know if you go to the zoo and there's a lion walking around, you know you're not going to mess with that lion. I don't care if you want to mess around with it, dangle something. You're not going to mess with that lion because once that lion roars, there is fear as though you were dead. 
Ooh, yeah, you know, you ever been to the Phoenix Zoo when you hear that lion roar? You want to look at the lion. I'll never get a chance to see the lion, but when that lion roars, yes. look out. But these are the things that are wrong with the church. So Christ himself, the senior pastor, writes a letter to the churches and says, get it right. He's calling the church to repent. Repent. And he's worthy of our worship. And when we gather together and all this stuff comes together, here's the problem. There's another problem. And this was the problem with the people of Israel. Is that not only did they want to worship God, but they also wanted to worship something else too. They said, we'll wait for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai. We'll wait for him to bring down the message from God. But right now we want to worship something else. Can somebody make us a golden calf? We want to worship God, but we also want to worship something else. We want to do a worship twice. Take two things. You want to worship God, then you want to worship money. You want to worship God, then you want to worship your relationship. You want to worship God, then you want to worship your house. You want to worship God, and then you want to worship everything besides what you need to put your life involved in. You will worship, so you think that I'm bringing two things to the table. It's still unacceptable to God. He wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. He says it. He says it to the Samaritan woman. He says, you don't know that which you worship. But the day will come when they will worship me in spirit and in truth. What is the truth? He is worthy. Follow along with me in verse 4. He says, and as we were reading this letter, he says this to John. He says, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, I explained last week as I was studying this and I was listening to an amazing teacher called Bodhi Bakum. He had said that there is a rhythm to this letter. And I was reading it and there is a rhythm to this letter. Right away, you have a, 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 a Trinitarian depiction of the scripture from God the Father himself says, grace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come. That's God the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. The seven spirits can be translated as the Holy Spirit. Then he finally says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The faithful witness. Why do you need to worship God? Why do you need to worship Christ? Because he was a faithful witness. He walked this earth and did not commit sin. He walked this earth and kept the law. He is a faithful witness. Why did he keep the law? Because he needed to keep the law so he can impute to you his righteousness. You need his righteousness to stand before a holy and righteous God so he keeps the law for you. He is a faithful witness. Despite history and TV and all this other stuff that says Jesus may have sinned. Jesus may have had a relationship with Mary Magdalene. Jesus may have done these things and, and they, they don't understand that Christ came to save us from the law. Amen. He kept the law. He is a faithful witness. He had an infallible character. Have you ever met somebody with great character? Yeah. Jesus times 10. He has infallible character. Jesus hung out with sinful people. Jesus had a purpose because he had a mission and that was to share the good news of the gospel that the kingdom of God had come in him. He's worthy of our worship. His mission was to keep the law. That was his mission, was to atone for your sins. He's worthy of your worship. But number one, he is a faithful witness. A faithful witness. He is 
bearing witness to the truth. He's the incarnate. He's God in the flesh who comes. He's faithful. He's worthy of your worship. And he bears witness to the truth. Amen. I am God, God in the flesh. It's called the hypostatic union, a divine nature and a human nature. He is God in the flesh. He's God, the creator who comes to earth. He's worthy of your worship. That's number one. He is a faithful witness. That is why you need to walk in here and you need to worship. That is why you need to go to work and you need to worship. That is why you need to go to school and you need to worship. You know how you kids aren't in school right now? Well, worship God. Worship God and pray for your parents. Worship. Secondly, the Bible says he's what? The firstborn of the dead. So if he's the first one to be resurrected and he's the firstborn of the dead, guess who also gets to be resurrected? If you believe in Jesus and you understand you who Jesus is and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be resurrected from the dead as well. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's worthy to be worshipped. And he conquers and he defeats death for us. There is an opponent that each and every one of us who are sitting in these chairs will one day face, and that is death. That is death. That's an opponent we cannot run from. That's an opponent that you will face. That is something that will once defeat you, but you will be resurrected because God will raise you up. And you will defeat death, hell, and the grave because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. We will live with him forever. And he's worthy of our worship. He is a faithful witness. And number two, he is the firstborn of the dead. Everywhere you look, there are books being written. On TV, guests will go on shows and they will say, what happens after death? What is it like? We want to find out from people who maybe had some type of revelation about what happens when you die. I want to know this thing. I want to find out because I want to know all about what happens when one dies. Has anybody ever seen a program or talked to somebody about that particular thing? They all want to know what happens when we close our eyes for the last time. They want to know. So you have all these hosts and all these people who will speak about what happens when life, when, when death comes and it's life after death, what happens? And there's all this other stuff, all this other gospel. And I was speaking to my deacon this morning. He was talking about another gospel. I said, that's another gospel. It was a false gospel, but it sounds so good because it sounds so good. You might want to listen to it. You might want to run to it because you want to do something about the fact that you don't know what happens after you die. But because of Jesus, we know what happens when we die. We know what happens to our loved ones who were in Christ, who went before us, what happened when they died. Jesus says he is the firstborn of the dead. That means you will be one of the ones he rises from the dead. That you will resurrect as well. That we have eternal life with Christ Jesus when you walk through the door to understand I don't care what you've done throughout the week I don't care what you felt like when you walk through the doors you should know he's worthy of your worship because he will raise you from the dead yeah. and that's the exciting thing for me knowing that I will live again if I die I will live I will open up my eyes to his glory thank you Jesus you are worthy of our worship he's the firstborn of the dead the firstborn of the dead. He's conquered death. It was our opponent and he conquers it and he frees us from the separation of God. But he resurrects. 
He's the firstborn of the dead, the resurrection of our body. That is why us as Christians, when we read this book of Revelation, why is this plain and clear to tell the churches they need to worship me because I'm a faithful witness? They need to worship me because I'm the firstborn of the dead. Why is it important to understand this very thing? Because this is the revelation to John from Jesus. Because Christians were being martyred. Christians were being executed. All the apostles have been dead. If you weren't here last week, we told you how all the apostles, they were crucified. They were tortured. They were skinned alive. They were speared. They were put to death because of Christ Jesus and their faith and their belief in him. That all these Christians have died. Even to this very day, why is this book comforting to us? Because there's Christians all over the world who are suffering because of the cause of Christ. Who are being put to death to this very day. This happened in the 1800s. It happened in medieval times. It happened during the West. All of the same things that were happening then happen now. That's why this book is very important to us as Christians because this letter is designed. It's designed to bring encouragement to you. It's, it's designed to bring encouragement to the people of God in the midst of their darkest hour. If you're going through a dark time, we need to read this book. If, you, if you've lost a family member and you don't know why, maybe you need to understand and read this book because it's designed to bring you comfort in your darkest hour. Yes. Do you know what it ever feels like? And I tell the people of God, I tell you, we are spoiled because we live in the Western culture. We're spoiled here. But let's go have let's go have church in Indonesia. Let's go have church in Africa. Let's go have church in Iraq. Let's go have church in China. Having church there out in the open, you will be executed for the cause of Christ. That's why this letter is important because people are saying all of your believers are dying. All of the people that you've blessed are dying. When do we get our vindication? Lord, come quickly and vindicate us. Jesus says, wait, there's more that need to be executed. Wait, there's more that will be executed. Wait, it's not the time yet. You imagine why this letter is designed to bring us comfort. Comfort in the face of our darkest hour. Number two, he is a, he's a faithful witness, number one. But number two, he is the firstborn of the dead. And number three, number three, and the Bible here, this, this letter is like a rhythm. It is like a rhythm. It's, he tells you I am Jesus Christ, number one, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. And then number three, he says, and the ruler of kings on earth. He's the ruler of all things. He's sovereign. He is in full control. Amen. He makes us a priest. Yes. He makes us a kingdom of that priest. Of the, he makes us priests to that kingdom here on earth. What do you mean of a priest? If you were with me through the study of the book of Hebrews, you are a king, but you are a priest. And that you get to go to God in prayer and you get to speak to him and he doesn't strike you down because of your filth. Amen. You're a priest. I spoke about this at Bible study. I said, he's made you a priest to him that you can go to him and you don't have to be of the Levite tribe. You, you can go to him and you don't have to be Jewish. You can go to him as you are and talk to God and speak to God and go to God, your God, as you are because he's made you a priest to him. And you have access to the Holy of Holies. You have access to talk to God. So when you need prayer for your baby, you can go to God. Amen. 
When you need prayer because your kid is wilding out, you can go to God. When you need prayer because your marriage is falling apart, you can go to God. You don't have to go to me. You don't have to go to anybody else. But you can go directly to God. And guess what? You may be the reason why all this stuff is happening. But yet you can still go to God. Because, because he's the ruler of the kings on earth. And he has all authority. He has all authority. And he washed us in his blood. And we have this access to go to God because he's washed us in his blood. Let's continue. It says to him who what? Loves us. Here's three more things. There's another three things he talks about. And to him who loves us, number one. And number two, and has what? Freed us from our sins by his blood. And then he has what? And made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and the Father. Three reasons to worship him. Three powerful reasons to worship God. And when you get this truth, then it's easy to worship God because you get an understanding of who Christ is. He says he loves us. It's not the type of love that you talk about. It's not the type of love that you may be used to. This is a different type of love that he loves us. Anybody can say, baby, I love you. Anybody can say, I love you and I will die for you. But then you run and throw her first anytime there's trouble. Anybody can say these things. I love you. I love you. And then you don't show it because you don't show it in your actions. You're just speaking. I love you with your lips because it's easy to say I love you. But when you love somebody and you act on it and you show them by your actions, then you truly love them. So he loves us by dying for us. He loves us and then say, he looked at them and says, you know what? I love you guys and I'm going to die for you. No, no, he goes to the cross and is brutally brutalized, embarrassed with an, an embarrassing death. Being crucified is an embarrassment. It's humiliating to die bloody on a cross, naked, beaten for you to atone for your sins. He does this for you so that you could be born again, so that you could have eternal fellowship with God the Father. He does this for you, so he does this very thing. That means he loves you because he did it. It's better than just lip service. He does this for you. He dies on the cross for you, and it's real, real love. It's love like none of us will ever do. He loves us. And then he says, by that very thing, and I freed you because I loved you and I freed you and freed you, freed you from what? Freed you from your sins by his blood. And then he's made us a kingdom, priest to his God and father. So here's the reason why we need to shape our worship. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand who God is and what he's done for you. Because I want you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, the first chapter. It's in the Old Testament. We're going to read about what God does and how he feels about those who nonchalantly come to church, don't really understand who God is, could care less, just sitting there, daydreaming, talking about lunch, talking about hooking up, all this stuff that they do when they come to his house. This is what God does. This is why it's important for you to shape your worship. Amen. If you read the book of Isaiah, 
This is a vision that God's, God gives to Isaiah about what he's going to do to those that have this type of an attitude. In verse 10, are you there? Chapter 1, verse 10. Yeah. It says this. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of what? Sodom. Sodom. And we know what Sodom was. Yeah. And by this time, Sodom is destroyed. Destroyed for their sin. But he says this. Give ear to the teaching of who? Our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? In other words, these are the people that went to the temple. These are the people that offered sacrifices. These are the, these are the people that pretended to worship God. And they go and they offer them sacrifices. But God says, what to me is your multitude of your sacrifices? Says the Lord. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I've had enough of it. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? God calls it a trampling of the courts. When you walk in here and you don't care. When you walk in here and you sometimes feel forced. When you walk in here and you don't know who God is. When you walk in here and you have an attitude. When you walk in here and you have things on your mind. When you walk in here, God calls it a trampling of my courts. It's like you better just get out. Because if you're going to talk about this being holy ground and you got anger in your life, you're going to talk about this being holy ground and you got issues in your life, then get out. Because the Bible says that it's a trampling of my courts. I've had enough. I've had enough of your burnt offerings. I've had enough of your well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls and of lambs and of goats. I don't delight in it. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. I can't deal with it, God's saying, and I will defeat you. I will stop it. So he, Jesus himself, writes these letters to the churches because he has a problem with their worship. And when we get into this, it's going to be amazing because a lot of these churches, you're going to read and you're like, that sounds like the one over there. I used to go to one like that. But that's why we have to read his word. That's why you need a Bible-believing church who reads the word of God. And I don't just give you a topic and just go off of it. But we give you the word of God and what the vision was to Isaiah coming from the Lord himself about what people do when they play church. About what people do when they walk into church and they don't want to be here. Trampling of the course. Now, if you go to church and you don't want to be here, why are you here? Because if you walk into church and you don't want to be here and you walk in here and you don't understand who Christ is, you're just trampling his courts. Because his son died on the cross for you. Shed his blood, an embarrassing death. He's made us a kingdom. He's made us priests to his God. He's reconciled us to God the Father. We have eternal life with Jesus because we're saved and we're born again. We're ready to face death. We're not worried about it because we know when we close our eyes, we're going to open them up to the glory of God. So we're not afraid of our opponents. We're not afraid. Verse 14, again, says, Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. I hate it. They have become a burden to me. 
and I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will, what? Hide my eyes from you. Now, that, that directly contradicts the Jesus that's being worshipped out there. Jesus is like this, please, just come to me. I'm crying up here for you. No, no. He says, I am weary of bearing them. I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make what? Many prayers, I will not listen. So for all the ones and the friends and family that we know that they say, well, I pray, I'm at home praying. Yeah, but you know God knows you're praying, but his ears are shut to you. You ever meet people like that? They tell you, well, I don't go to church. I'm, I'll be around the people of God. I pray at home. Well, God's got his ears shut to you. He understands you're praying, but your prayers ain't going nowhere. He says this, wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead for the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, the Lord says. So he's teaching us this. Why is it important? How, how can I, how can I wash myself? How can I make myself clean and remove the evil from my eyes there's only one way and he's worthy of your worship there's only one way and it comes from christ himself there's only one way who does this and it's jesus he's the way the truth and the life and he does this for you he washes you and makes you clean jesus does this jesus is all over isaiah jesus is all over every book of the bible Jesus is the one that washes ourselves and makes us clean. And then he's the one that removes the evil of our deeds from before his eyes. He, we cease to do evil because we have the Holy Spirit. We seek justice because we have the Holy Spirit. We correct oppression because we have third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. We bring justice to the followers because the Holy Spirit equips us to do it. We plead the widow's cause and we help those because Jesus is the one that allows us to do it. Then he says in 18, come now, let us reason together. Let's get this together. You can't do it. There's only one person that can. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you this morning, church? He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Go back to the book of Revelation. Let me show you John's appearing. John, Jesus appearing before John so you can get a depiction of why you need to worship Christ. So you can get a good description of the Jesus that will come back with all authority. He's given us authority here on the earth, but he's coming back. He's coming back. Read with me Revelation 1, verse 12. Revelation 1, verse 12. He says this. Then I turned, this is John, John seeing Christ. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So there's your answer. Have you ever said, well, what were the seven lampstands? What are the seven stars? John tells you because Jesus writes it and tells you what those things are. This Jesus is coming back like a roaring lion. This Jesus deserves our worship. This Jesus is worthy of our worship. Worship should look like that. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the description of what worship should look like. Lord, we, we come to the house, and if our worship was displeasing to you, we repent this morning. As pastor of the church, Lord, I hold myself accountable to everybody in this place. And if we walk into this place, and we're nonchalantly, we don't care, Lord, we pray and we, we repent. For our actions and our conduct, for the things that we've done and the things that we've said, Lord, we repent if it was displeasing in your sight father you are amazing and we are so thankful that you have a, an incredible plan of redemption and that you would send your son to obtain our righteousness so father for everyone here we pray we pray to you and we seek you we ask you to help us change from the inside help our lives begin to show outwardly our expression of true worship christ worship how we worship you. We worship Jesus. We worship the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand how we need to worship in spirit and in the truth that you provide through us through studying your word. Help all of us here have a desire to study and know more about you, God the Father. Help us to understand what it means to have a study of theology proper. To study and to learn your character, what you like and what you dislike, how we're supposed to handle ourselves in ministry, how we're supposed to handle ourselves with our family. Lord, teach us. Help us to have the boldness of a lion. Help us to have the boldness that we need to stand forth and show our salvation to those who know that we're in Christ Jesus. You command us to work it out. And we thank you, Lord. Jesus, our King. You rule and reign. You rule and reign. Because it was promised. And you promised us many things. And they will come to pass. Our hope is in you. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. Because you are the faithful witness. We worship you. For you are the firstborn of the dead. We worship you. For you are the ruler on earth. And in heaven. 
We worship you. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to what we need to see. Help us to see as you see and not as how we see in the flesh. So we pray for continued strength. We pray for continued guidance. Help us to govern every area of our lives as we leave this place today. We love you. We give you all the glory. Father, it belongs to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, please, we are here for you to pray with you.